Welcome to the Hidden Palace with Skyblaze. Good morning, afternoon, evening or night, wherever you are in the world. I am Skyblaze and this is the Hidden Palace here on Radio Sega. Uh, did have some technical hiccups earlier, so I was rushing a bit to get my playlist done today. But I'm here, it's fine. Because with my setup, if I breathe on it the wrong way, everything breaks. It is quite terrifying. Um, mostly because Windows is a git. Anyway, um, the Mega Drive. Uh, with the release of the Mega Drive Mini coming up, everybody's talking about the Mega Drive. And it was a pretty awesome console. Uh, with over 900 games to date, including some that have been released fairly recently, such as uh, Tanglewood. However, what if you had a Mega Drive that could do more than just be a Mega Drive? Well, join me as we look into some of the Mega Drive console variants. Now, starting out, we have the Multi-Mega CDX, also known as the Sega Genesis CDX. Now, this device was released in 1994 and combines the Mega Drive, Mega CD and CD player components So this would be a single device, it's just slightly larger than a portable CD player of the time would be, uh, but would also play Mega CD and Mega Drive games. All of the three components can work when it's connected to a mains power supply, uh, but the CD player could work via battery power. Uh, it would take two AA batteries and could be carried around and used as a CD player. Although this was a fairly early example of a portable CD player, so it might be a little bit, well, it might skip a bit, basically. Um, a lot of the kind of anti-jog features uh, were not introduced until quite a bit later. And it probably sucked batteries like nothing you've ever seen, except possibly a Sega Nomad. I'll get to that later. In another episode, I mean. Now the console itself looks largely, as I said, looks largely like a portable CD player, although that's a little bit chunkier. The cartridge slot is near the back of the console and the CD player controls are near the front, with a small LCD screen to show what CD track you are on. The console, while not designed with this in mind, will work with the Sega 32X, as will, uh, let me try that sentence again, as well as the power converter to run Master System games. Surprisingly, with the 32X in, uh, in Engage, you can also open the CD drive. Not only that, but because it works as a portable CD player, there was a carry case which allows you to carry the Multimega along with two controllers, six CDs, five Mega Drive cartridges, and the power and AV cables along with a pair of headphones. Yes, this thing was pretty much entirely portable. So, uh, if you are a fan of watching like retro things on YouTube, uh, there's a channel called Techman, and he has one of these, and I'm jealous because it is actually pretty awesome. Um, II saying that he wants a Nomad, uh, when a retro bit getting to it, and BlastGamer98 is saying I want a Multimega. Um, Greyfall, who for those who don't know is my husband, um, he says he wants them both. Yeah, you can buy those with your own money, dear. Now then, let's have some music. I'm take a quick drink because my throat's getting dry. Uh, so from, uh, because we've mentioned uh, the Sega CD, Mega CD being built into this thing, uh, from the um, Temporal Duality album, um, we've got uh, Future Crystalline Luminosity, by Lady Wildfire, featuring Level 99, uh, which is a remix of Quartz Quadrant US version. And after that, from Echo the Dolphin Mega CD, we have Medusa Bay. So I hope you enjoy those, and I will continue after the musical break. Thank you. 
You're listening to Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7. That was from Echo the Dolphin Mega CD. That was Medusa Bay. And before that, we had from Lady Wildfire featuring level 99, Future Crystalline Luminosity, uh, a remix of Sonic CD Quartz Quadrant US. That's from our friends over on OC Remix, so go and check out that album if you have not done so already. Uh, the chat is talking about prices for Mega Drives and other consoles. Um, Ace Croft was saying that they came across a um, Model 1 Mega Drive along with the HD converter cable and a Neverdrive for £135. Now that's a little bit steep and more than I'd be likely to pay, especially considering the Mega Drive unit by itself where they were selling for £45. I would not pay more than £35 for a Mega Drive to, uh, Mark 1, I think. Um, Acecroft was saying that they bought theirs for. Uh, sorry, it was Blast Gamer who said that they was they saw it in the in the retro shop, and Acecroft said that they'd bought their uh, Mega Drive Mark One for twenty. Yeah, that's that's a much more sensible price, somewhere between twenty and thirty-five. Don't go higher than thirty-five; you're being ripped off. 
Um, Blast Gamer 98 also asks if £45 is a sensible price for Dreamcast that's had its clock battery replaced with a battery holder and has been fully refurbished. Um, yeah, that is a, a very decent price for um, a Dreamcast. If you've... Um, if you find a, a Dreamcast that's been refurbished for that price, especially with a battery mod, go for it. Um, and yeah, if you've got one of the early model Dreamcasts, then you can uh, do nefarious things and play games on it that are not, strictly speaking, legitimate copies. In theory, you could say that they're backups if you've already got the games, because obviously bit rot is a thing where the, uh, the CDs delaminate and you can't play them anymore, and that would be terrible. <coughs> Sorry, my throat is very, very dry today because I've had to be taking painkillers all day and it dries my throat out. <clears throat> right, so, let me loop my talk bone before I run out of music. So, now on to the Terra Drive. This is an IBM PC that has a built-in Mega Drive that was released in 1991 in Japan. Uh, this device was a very basic IBM PC that had a built-in floppy disk drive and a cartridge slot on the front-facing panel. Now, sadly, this console PC hybrid was a pretty much an entirely a flop. Um, this is for a few reasons. The most significant was the processor, which was an Intel 80286. Those of you who aren't massive tech nerds, uh, who know a lot about PC components, probably won't be familiar with this, but uh, this was 1991, and by this point that processor was 10 years old. Let that sink in. So yeah, not the best decision. Now with the Terra Drive you did get a Sega branded keyboard and mouse. And another interesting thing to note with the Terra Drive, uh, if this had taken off, there were plans for a Mega CD expansion. As it was though, only a few prototypes were ever made and development ceased as Sega decided to concentrate on developing the Sega Saturn instead. I think this thing could have been a success if they actually used like, more up-to-date components and not cheaped out on a very, very old processor. Because, um, yeah, the 286 by that point was it was 10 years old and it, it just did not have the power to support a lot of things that were required of PCs by, by then. Um, yeah. Bit of a shame, but that era, Sega did a lot of quite silly things through most of that era. Early in the way... Um, Electropical is saying that there are some new Dreamcast games that are being put out. Yeah, there's, there's quite a big homebrew scene for the Dreamcast. So yeah, they can be quite expensive because obviously it's it's they have to finance not only the development of the game but also printing the things out, which can drive the prices up quite significantly. Although not as much as building cartridges. Anyway, let's have some more music. Now, since I mentioned uh, the Saturns, I'm going to have a music uh, a track from the Saturn. But first, this one was requested by Electric Boogaloo, and this is Winds of Victory from Formula One World Championship Beyond the Limit, and apparently this track was in fact composed by June Senaway. And after that we've got from Daytona USA on the Saturn, we've got Sky High. So let's listen to those and I will continue with some more things after the break.
best Sega music, live shows, and the chance to request your favorites. This is RadioSega.net.
we are back. And that was Sky High from Daytona USA and Saturn. And before that, it was Winds of Victory from Formula One World Championship Beyond the Limit, which was requested by Electric Boogaloo. Uh, Funnily enough, I was actually watching the Formula One earlier today. I was catching up on the Italian Grand Prix. So, that's a bit of coincidence. I like Formula One. Anyway, moving on. Uh, What's the chat talking about? Yes, uh, talking about how um, there's still a fairly big uh, homebrew scene for the Dreamcast. Uh, Partially because it's very pretty easy to develop for, uh, since the hardware is mostly off the shelf. And you can use the Windows CE install as a shortcut. Um, And there's a certain exploit which lets unsigned code be booted. But we'll not talk about that, so... But yeah, it's, it's useful for homebrewers. So if you do have uh, a Dreamcast, um, I'd advise checking out the homebrew scene. There's some really nice stuff on there, especially if you like shoot 'em ups, because there's a lot of shoot 'em ups. Anyway, so two years after the Terra Drive, uh, over in the UK, Amstrad made the Mega PC, which basically is the same thing as the Terra Drive, but with a different manufacturer. And generally better overall build quality and slightly more, you know, up-to-date components. The Mega PC came with its own Amstrad-branded Mega Drive controller and could play any Japanese and US games as well as unlicensed ones. So some advantage there, I guess. Uh, The Amstrad-branded Mega Drive controller actually was that kind of like beige colour that nearly all PCs were back in those days. Um, so was not quite as attractive as an actual regular Mega Drive controller. Um, there were plans at one point for a Amstrad Mega Plus, which would have had higher specs than the Mega PC, but sadly this was never released, probably because it the Mega PC didn't actually do fantastically well for Amstrad, possibly because it was slightly overpriced for what it was. One of the other differences between the Terra Drive and the Mega PC was how the PC and Mega Drive interacted with each other. Simply put, on the Mega PC, they didn't. Uh, You either used the Mega Drive or the PC, and there was no interaction between the two components. Uh, There was a little switch on the front which was activated by either sliding a cover one way or the other, or you could just take the cover off and just use a switch. The Terra Drive, however, did allow both parts to interact, as both PC and Mega Drive were built into the same motherboard. As far as I know, the only program which utilised this was a program called Puzzle Constructor. And Electric Boogaloo's beaten me to it because I was just about to mention that a YouTuber called Retro Man Cave uh, did a full restoration on an Amstrad Mega PC and uh, went into quite a lot of detail about its history and build and uh, what it could do. So that's definitely worth checking out if you do have an interest in the Mega PC. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, he actually got somebody to do a rather marvellous imitation of uh, Alan Sugar, Alan Sugar's voice. Uh, Alan Sugar being, um, well, he's he's on our version of The Apprentice, and uh, he was also the head of Amstrad when the Mega PC came out. So there you go. Uh, I couldn't find any music from Puzzle Constructor. I did try, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't find any. Uh, so instead, we've got a couple of puzzle-related things. And uh, so from Puyo Puyo 2 on the Mega Drive, uh, this is Area C. And after that, requested by uh, Brit Gamer, aka Blast Gamer, uh, we've got the Blue Spheres Special Stage from Sonic 3 and Knuckles. So I hope you enjoy those, and I will speak to you guys again in a little bit.
best Sega music, live shows, and the chance to request your favorites. This is RadioSega.net. Sonic 3 and Knuckles Blue Sphere's special stage that was requested by BlastGamer98 and before that we had Puyo Puyo 2 Area C and BlastGamer say, uh, is saying that uh, they want to go to the Swinton Computer Museum um, I really want to go there as well but it's quite expensive to get there from where I am and uh, he's saying yeah it cost me £8.30 in total including the bus fare yeah okay rub it in uh, we do have the National Video Game Museum, the Meltdown uh, eSports bar, and the uh, Gamer Lounge in Sheffield, though. So, swings and roundabouts, I guess. Anyway, moving on. Similar to the Terra Drive and the Mega PC, uh, Sega approached another third party to manufacture yet another console. Electronics maker JVC made and released the Wonder Mega in 1992, and it combines the Mega Drive and Mega CD along with JVC's high-end audio processing technology, meaning that this console has enhanced audio, a MIDI output for a keyboard and two microphone inputs cleverly hidden behind a small door on the front of the console. Released in Japan, it came with four different karaoke programs along with a compilation CD of four games. Now this was Flicky, Pyramid Magic, Paddle Fighter and Quiz Scramble. The cost for this console was 82,800 yen, which is actually more than the cost of a separate Mega Drive at 21,000 yen and Mega CD at 49,800 yen, and those were their initial launch costs. So by 1992 the prices would have come down a bit. This strikes me as being a bit of a mistake. Sega thought that the design was good enough that they brought out their own. It was identical to the JVC one, except the Sega logo was showing in place of the JVC logo. Now, JVC didn't stop there. 
A year later they brought out the Wonder Mega M2, which was a sleeker model compared to the original. And instead of being supplied with Sega-style controllers, they had their own model of infrared controllers instead. Now, I don't know how many of you remember having infrared controllers during the early 90s, but most of them were awful. In addition to needing to be pointed directly at the infrared receiver in order to work, the input lag was usually dreadful. So, as you can guess, the ones on this Wonder Mega M2 weren't that much better. So, you can still use wired controllers, although the ports for those were located on the back of the console for some incredibly bizarre reason. Now, further through this story, we have to move over to the United States, where in 1994, uh, the Wonder Mega was released as the XI, a very bizarre name, but it was a, basically a remodeled uh, Wonder Mega M2 console, which thankfully removed the infrared sensor and moved the controller ports to replace them. Sensible choice. Now, as with the Multi Mega, you can use the 32X uh, with the Wonder Mega and XI. Although with the M2 and XI, the design meant that you would have trouble accessing the CD drive, as the 32X would overhang over the lid. Strangely enough, JVC offered a 32-bit upgrade service for 5,000 yen, which would change the design of the M2 to allow you to get around this. Why not just do this anyway? I don't understand some companies, really, I don't. Anyway, uh, I actually have a friend who's got a JVC XI uh, in America, um, so if you're listening to this, Dr. Gonzo, you're a git. It's very unlikely that you are, but just in case, git. Uh, <laughs> oh dear. Right, so let's have uh, some more music then. Um, so of course Flicky was mentioned. Uh, let's have from our, our very own Rexy. Let's have Flicky's Night Out, which is for Starlight Zone. And after that, we're going to have Columns, where my favourite uh, of the music from Columns, which is uh, Lathesis. And after that, we will have Chimchin Corner. So enjoy those, and I'll speak to you guys again in a little bit.
we are back. Um, I was going to check a detail about the previous segment on Sega Retro, but it appears to be down at the moment. Um, Electric Buggle is saying it's been down for a couple of hours, which is a terrible shame. Um, I was trying to check because uh, I realised I forgot to mention something. Uh, the service that JVC offered to do the uh, the upgrade service uh, to um, let you use the 32X with the M2 uh, Wonder Mega actually continued until like very recently. It's something ludicrous, like like 2012 or something crazy. Uh, they carried on offering that service for a very very long time. Uh, but I can't check what the actual date was because I can't get to Sega Retro. Which is annoying, never mind. But yeah, the reason that was playing that was Columns uh, Lathesis, um, of course named for the Greek Fates. And that is my one of my favourite pieces of Columns music, and apparently it's Electric Boogaloo's as well. And before that we had Rexy's Flicky's Night Out for Starlight. Um, Rexy, of course, being uh, who runs the Sega Mixer Drive, and she's a very, very talented composer and remixer. Right then, so on to Chiptune Corner. Now, some of you might be aware that a few months ago I attended an event called the 8-Bit Symphony in Hull, along with my husband Greyfall, and Mr. Jamie Wonderman, and Superbike. This was a performance of classic 8-bit tunes which had been transformed into beautiful orchestral arrangements. It was a really good gig and I'm very, very happy I got to go. More recently, a Kickstarter was then begun for an album to be produced of those symphonic arrangements. The Kickstarter did go right down to the wire, but was eventually successful. Those who contributed to the Kickstarter got access to some pretty sweet albums of chiptune music, both original... Um, music from the Commodore 64, Amiga, and so on, as well as remixes. As I was in fact a contributor, I did in fact get access to those albums. So, from the C64 Audio Classics album, this is Light Force 2000 by Chris Abbott. So, listen to that, tell me what you think, and I will speak to you guys again to close off the show. So here we go with uh, Light Force 2000 by Chris Abbott. Enjoy!
And we are back. And that was Light Force 2000 from Chris Abbott. I really like that track. I think it's great. So uh, let me know what you think if you thought that was good. Now, uh, that's it for today's episode of The Hidden Palace. Um, next week I have plans to do a deep dive on the Mega Drive as part of the Mega Drive Mini Marathon that we've been running here on Radio Sega. So I hope you'll tune in to that, and of course you're welcome to request any Mega Drive tracks that you want, especially tracks that have been uh, from games that have been used on the Mega Drive Mini. As always, if you have any ideas for topics that you would like me to cover on a future episode of Hidden Palace, you can contact me on Twitter, where I am at Blazing Skies. You can reach me through Discord, where I am at Skyblaze42. Or you can contact me through the Radio Sega, Facebook or Twitter. Right, so hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, thank you to everybody who's been in the chat. So Electric Boogaloo and Grey4, Nicholas Aman. Uh, BlastGamer98, uh, Ace Croft, who else do we have? Uh, I'm sure there was somebody else in here. I, I know Ravseek was around earlier, so maybe him as well. And Gavi's uh, currently getting ready for Saturday Night Sega, which will be on in a bit. Apparently he's still uh, setting up, so uh, stay tuned for that though. Uh, that should be along very shortly. And... For the last track for today, I am going to indulge myself and I'm going to play uh, from the Blast Processor's Chaos Rising album, uh, Hard Times, which is a version of the Ice Cap Zone music, sort of. Not going into details uh, right now, but I hope you enjoy that. And I've been Skyblaze, this has been The Hidden Palace here on Radio Sega, I will see you next week. For now, take care and good night.
times gone by Enjoyed the show? Check out the full Radio Sega live schedule at radiose.ga forward slash shows. Radio Sega, playing the best Sega music 24-7.